What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Tactical Chingwag Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Jillings, aka Original Human on YouTube. And today I am joined by the amazing, best-selling author and owner of a Green Beret. I have to get that one in there. Ollie Ollerton, how you doing, mate? I'm doing good, mate, and thank you for having me on the uh, on your podcast. Hey, no worries. It's it's the it's an absolute honor to have you on. You your influence, I think, for the military with SAS Who Dares Wins and your books has probably um, made a lot of young lads want to join the Royal Marines. My guess. Yeah, no, yeah, no, absolutely. Well, listen, I think um, you know, I the way I take the exposure of SAS Who Dares Wins is, I feel that you know. It, Far, far gone are the days for me to be stroking my ego. It's really about we've been given an opportunity. We've been given a voice and it's about what you do with that voice. And that is for me, you know what? You're going to like this. I-E-D. <laughs> okay. Inspire, educate and demonstrate. What is it with the military and acronyms? Like every time we've got to get an acronym in there, aren't we? <laughs> no, mate. Well, I actually came up with that inspire... <laughs> Um, educate and demonstrate. And then I went, that's IED. And I'm like, I just can't help myself. Yeah, no, you got to. And then before you know it, you'll have it on a on a uh, blue spreadsheet, on a blue PowerPoint with yellow writing, like at CTC when you fall asleep. This, the typical colors that they have for all of the, the PowerPoints that they have there and all the acronyms <laughs> that you have yeah. to remember. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, um, right. So so for anyone who is unaware, um, yeah. you're a former Royal Marine. Uh, you went yeah. into the special boat service, which is just outstanding. Um, you spent yeah. six years, am I correct by saying that, in the special boat service? Five years Royal Marine, six years special boat service, okay. yeah. And now you're doing, uh-huh. uh, you've done TV shows like SAS Who Dares Wins. You've got two incredible books out. Um, yeah. Mate, you're all over the place. You're all over the place. Yeah, I am, mate. I am. And it's, um, yeah, I mean, just I've got my, uh, I've got my first fiction coming out as well in November. I was about to mention that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's called Scar Tissue, right? Scar Tissue, mate, yeah. Um, so uh, really excited about that. I've just been having the launch meeting on that today. So although it's a fiction book, it really, you know, it's a framework of, uh, of you know, of, of my experiences in Iraq as a contractor. Yeah. Uh, so it's sort of post-military. Um, and um, there's a lot of stuff in there that's, I like to look at it as a, true story that's been elaborated on as opposed to you know something that's to- totally fiction so there is you know there's a lot of stuff in there that's obviously been el- elaborated a great deal but it comes from you know the things the character alex abbott goes through who is um you know the guy that's the, the main character is is a lot of the stuff that you know it's, it goes in detail what he's going through mentally and and all that kind of stuff so it's a really powerful book i'm really excited yeah, yeah, I'm I'm very excited. It's literally the first on my list right here of things to ask you, is because as you can see behind me, I read a lot of fiction. I'm a big fan of fiction of escapism. I th- I think I got it from the Royal Marines having that little bit of a escapism when when uh, t- when it's needed. And um, I went on Amazon because I've I've got your books, and I've, I went on Amazon thinking I wonder if he's doing anything anything more. And I saw it, and I'm like, wait, this is fiction. What made you want to do fiction? Um, mate, a lot of it comes from uh. Well, listen, I mean, it was something that was suggested to me. And initially I thought, no, because I'm so I'm so sort of uh, passionate about the self-development books. 
um, that I wanted, you know, I wanted to have like a, a long history of, of self-development books, but they said, look, you can, you can do exactly the same. You, you, I mean, you can parallel the two. So, um, and, and mate, you know what, as Royals are like, we like a good dip. Yeah. Yeah. We um, do love a good, we, yeah. we can spin a good dip. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, and once the sort of, you know, initially I was a bit apprehensive, but when I met the team and then we, you know, we started talking, you know, before you know it, they were like, they were hanging on every word of all these ideas I had and all these creative ideas. And they were like, oh, this, you know, this could be really, really great. So we went for it. And, um, you know, the more I got into it and the more, um, the more involved, the more immersed in that whole sort of um, more fiction side, I just got, I got lost in that world. Cause I am, I am extremely creative anyway. That's why I've, that's why I've got so many flipping businesses and, and stuff like that, you know, because my team, my, my team have actually said to me, no more ideas, please, for the next six months. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, I just can't help myself when it, when it, when it, I don't plan it. It just like, I'm like, let's do this. You know, it's like crazy, crazy stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just creative. So I enjoy that creative sort of um, um, creative edge that it brings yeah. out. I, it's, that's funny that you said that because uh, the Royal Marines and and create creativeness don't really seem very hand in hand. But there's a lot of royals and former royals that are genuinely very creative. Like on Instagram, I've seen one one former royal who's now an artist and he's doing a bunch of different artwork. Another lad's doing all different um, equipment for like airsoft and and ranges and surprise. Yeah, magician. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This, this, I'm, I'm doing videos on YouTube. There's a, there's a lot of creativity in a place where you wouldn't expect it. I think that's because we had to be highly creative because the MOD had no money. So that's also very true. <laughs> that's we also had of a, we had to polish the turd. Yeah, Time yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, you can tell actually that creativeness when you uh, when you go on an exercise in training and all the different ways that they get you to be in pain. That's the creativeness yeah. being shined right there. <laughs> oh, exactly. And you know the lengths the lads will go to to get out on the lash. You know, and uh, <laughs> yeah. so I can speak from experience on that one. Yeah. So um, what what's so I want to go back to um, your transition between. In fact, let's go before the transition of Royal Marines to to the S to the SBS. Let's go before yeah. that and let's talk about prior to the Royal Marines because you've got you've got a fascinating story, mate. An absolute fascinating story, especially the whole circus ordeal when you were a child. And um, yeah. I don't know how much you like talking about that, but my God, like what what a what a crazy situation. Yeah, that was a mad situation. And that's, I think that's why, again, mate, I like going into the fiction side of things. Cause my actual, when I tell the story of my life, it sounds more like a fiction book than it does the truth. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was for me. And I, I talk about that a lot. And I, I mean, there's probably people that heard the story more than once that say, Oh, he's never going up. He never stops talking about the monkey. And I'm like, it wasn't always like that because, you know, when you go through, uh, especially childhood trauma, you lock away the internet. We're wired to lock away that intimate trauma. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a natural defense system to try and lock it away. And that happens with everyone. You know, that's, that's why you have problems with PTSD and all sorts. Cause initially you can't deal with it initially because your, your body wants to just close it down uh, and wrap it up in cotton wool, try and forget the intimate trauma and move on. Mm. And uh, for me, that's exactly what I did as a 10-year-old kid. I mean, I went to the circus 
um, with my brother and his mate, and as they were setting up, setting up, and um, I got separated and ended up seeing a little baby chimp on the floor. Uh, and this is this is a very short version. Uh, seeing a baby chimp on the floor, and I was absolutely compelled because I was in love with Tarzan. So that was Cheetah, and um, you know, for me, that was almost you know, in, this is in Staffordshire in in the UK, the middle of the the UK, and I'm like, you know, that to me was Hollywood. Mm. Sat right there, so I was I was you know, it was like I was compelled, and then before I know it, I'm I'm engaging with this little baby chimp, and then his mum, who was, you know, in the shadows behind. Um, having a nap, um, obviously woke up to see me um, above its her, her baby and, you know, just came on a beeline to kill me. Jeez. Um, so next thing I've got this chimp on, you know, it pinned me to the floor and um, was just going absolutely, it was a hysterical, you know, it was going mental, just trying to absolutely make sure the last thing it did was make sure I stopped breathing to yeah. protect its own. And, you know, it was, it was beating on down on me like a like a drummer in a rock band um and knocking knocking the hell out of me and uh i thought i was gonna die you know i absolutely thought i was gonna die and it was you know all instinctive i didn't get chance to sit there going oh i'm gonna die now uh, right. but you know it was like i knew i had to do something i did something it was flight a fight or flight um and i managed to dislodge the chimp get my knee up to my chest managed to kick it off um uh kick it off me um, and then I, I managed to get a few feet away and then it came on a final attack and it got caught by its chain. And I'm, I'm there, you know, covered in blood. My arm was absolutely looked like a chew, it looked like a, a dog had been chewing on it for, for an afternoon. You know, it was, um, it was a real mess. Yeah. And, um, but it, it wasn't the physical scars that really um, had the effect. It was the mental scars, but I didn't see that, the effect that had until a long, long time later. But, you know, that that was a very, you know, I've only had chance recently to unravel all that. Um, right. And um, but that really was, you know, when I look at it like this, right, I don't regret that at all because it's made me um, it made me who I am today. Not just that, but it set me off on a different course. Um, but that was my first break point. My, I've got a company called Breakpoint. My mm. book is called Breakpoint. And break point for me, if you imagine under that chimp, I could have laid there and died, you know, and a lot of people, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying they would, some it's just way people are. Some people would have laid there and died, just gone in total defense and died. Um, but for me, I had to take it to the next level. I had to step into an area of severe discomfort uh, for any chance of living that day. And that yeah. is what is, is what break point is all about. It's short-term discomfort for long-term gain. Yeah. Uh, now that doesn't mean you have to go and get attacked by chimps, but you know, <laughs> don't go to the circus. And yeah. Get, you know, yeah. Come on, bring it on. But you know, for me, that is like that. That um, that transfers into everyone's everyday life. We are we are naturally wired to avoid any kind of stress, any kind of discomfort, and take the easy road. It's just the way we're wired. And, um, you know, when it comes to create, when it comes to achieving our goals, when it comes to making changes, that could be, let me use an example of the physical, because everyone tries at some point in their life to get fitter, to lose weight or what, wh whatever it is. Um, you know, it's that moment when you decide to, uh, to, to, to take the short term discomfort and go through the short term pain until you create a new habit loop that becomes your new modus operandi. 
Um, and that, that really what is what Breakpoint's all about, you know, and it's, it's simple stuff. Like if you can take care of the simple stuff with Breakpoint, um, it sounds quite severe, but that's, that's like your washing, you know, doing your washing up before you go to bed at night so you don't come down to a mess in the morning. It's making your bed in the morning. It's sending the extra email. It's just mm. doing that extra, those extra, and if you can take care of the small stuff, the big, the big stuff falls into place. Yeah. But yeah. I, I use that as an, you know, it's, that was my first break point. It was certainly wasn't my last, but that's really where it all stems from. Yeah. And how, how, how old was you used? I think if I can remember in the book, 10, 10, 10. Yeah, wow. So I was, yeah. I was a baby, but you know, and, and, and it was severe. I know it was severe because I can't remember much of my childhood at all. Pre 10 years old, yeah. you know, I had some, uh, pretty, pretty bad trauma and it did set me off on a path of destruction. You know, I mean, a lot of people join the join the military in general for, for a number of reasons. A lot of people join because they're running away from something. Um, and a lot of people like me join with issues, you know, and I, I had issues that, um, again, they weren't apparent. Like I say, I only, um, I only managed to unlock a lot of that deep set trauma, um, actually, um, a year ago in December last year, when I went away to Costa Rica and, and went to an ayahuasca retreat. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I need to know more about that because I've heard a lot about that stuff. Um, so a lot of people, before we get into that, because that's a whole other story, I bet. Um, right. Before we get into that, like the, when you mentioned that you, you kicked this chimpanzee off you, right? You're 10-year-old, yeah. right? This chimpanzee must have been a, roughly about the same weight as you, right? Or if not bigger. Um, bigger, bigger. Bigger, yeah. So in that moment, you, you did something that... You know, it's it's the it's the thing that a lot of a lot of royals, a lot of military members, paras, royals, special forces, doesn't matter who you are, kind of have it ha have an understanding that it's like it's it's fight off like you've got to do something you've got to do something mm -hmm. in that moment, otherwise you're done for. Do you think so a lot of people ask me this all the time about joining the military, getting a green beret, it's like, well you you're just that type of person, you're just able to and I have this ethos that it it's not that's not the case. You have to really you have to really train yourself just like a muscle when it comes to your, your um, you know, your resilience, your, your determination and all that lot. Do you think that one little push that you did was the spark that pushed you in the direction of the military? Do you think it was the first thing that made you go, okay, I've, I, I, can, I can push myself further than I think. And then, I mean, you're only young, but do you think it yeah. was that spark? I'll tell you exactly what it was, mate. Um, it was the fact that I make decisions like that now. Mm. And that was that, you know, underneath that chimp, I didn't have time to allow my brain to sabotage a solution. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the, the longer we sit there procrastinate, it's like somewhat, a lot of people that join the military, you know, they sit there, they think about it too long. You know mm. what I mean? They sit there and before they know it, the mind's told them every reason why they can't do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And whereas a lot of the people that pretty much everyone that's actually gone for it, like join the military, it's because they can make a decision like that. It's like I'm joining the Royal Marines. They don't give the brain long enough to talk them out of it. Yeah. You know, and it's about people that can make decisions, um, you know, very, very quickly, very instinctively without allowing the program to take over. It's people that can follow their heart and switch off the program that's in their head. Yeah, you know, and I, I feel that's what that experience gave me, you know, and still to this day, you know, I, I don't procrastinate. I, I know that decisions have to be made within five seconds 
Otherwise, it's a, you know, it's we're wired that way again. You know, I've looked a lot into the way we were wired. I've looked into, into evolution, um, and the way you know, the long if you leave it any more than five seconds, your your mind will start to talk you out of it. Mm -hmm. And that is really, you know, the simple pro. When you look at evolution, I won't go too deep into this, but when you look at evolution, right? Evolution um, only cares about um, uh, the species. Okay, the species continuing, yeah. um, and really, what's happening there is it. it, it um, our mindset is one that it, we only um, we keep doing what we've done. We're we're in a repeat ho a habit loop, so we keep doing the things we did yesterday and the day before and the day before that because in our minds, regardless of the situation, our minds know that that's kept us alive until today. It doesn't really give a shit whether it was a good experience, a bad experience, it's happy or sad. It just knows if it keeps doing what it did yesterday and the day before, it's going to stay alive. So as soon as anyone goes to change that, you know, do something different, do something new, and people can relate to this, going back to the fitness thing, you know, once you go to doing something new, your brain will sabotage that if you give it long enough. Yeah. And I think that's the classic confidence test, right? The classic there, confidence mate. test in the water in the in the raw marines training the and, illusion. and yeah the illusion and um again even though yeah. a lot of people don't really think they have it and that it's like something that random so people I'm have you joint we're going a bit weird am i good can you hear me yeah that's okay now is that better um yeah so i was saying how like with the with the determination not the determination so the confidence test in the raw marines so you stood on the end of a of a um, plank at the pool and you have to falling backwards you just have to stay and the, the longer people stand there thinking about it and it happens the the, the worse it gets yeah. they start crouching a bit they start trying to put one leg down and i think that even that itself even though uh, for a lot of people it is ingrained in is also trainable it's also trainable to be like just don't think about it, just do it just don't think about it just do it and it, it's definitely difficult especially for someone who's never had to do it before um, yeah. especially be before I joined the Royal Marines and I was training, I was not the type of person that would just head on into something. I was always sat there thinking about it. What mm -hmm. do I do? How do I do it? And I think telling myself that I'm strategizing was actually me giving myself an excuse to actually just think about it and, and, and not do it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Because hesitation sends a warning to your brain, to your mind. That's what it does. As soon as you hesitate, it sends a warning that what you're about to do needs more consideration. That's what that's what goes on. And then that then we get further enforced that we shouldn't do it. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. It's, just, it's just the way we work. And that's why, I mean, there's a very, uh, to, to really, I mean, that's the whole thing with Breakpoint. It's about making that decision in a split second and not allowing your mind to sabotage something you know especially if you're in if, it, if it's in line with a goal it's not it's about taking action regardless of what's in front of you and not allowing your mind to sabotage that progression towards a goal yeah yeah i think that's uh this key it's one of the most important aspects when it comes to resilience is just it's just doing something just doing it that, yeah being on that starting line of the endurance course ready to go on your commando tests and you're getting closer yeah. and closer it's more difficult to just go because you're in line but you brain switches. Mm. You got to switch your brain off, and then as soon as it's like three, two, one, go, you just you just yeah. gotta you gotta do it. You gotta put one foot first. You know, take that one step, and before you know it, you've done thirty miles and got your green beret. You know what I mean? Like one yeah. step at a time. That's all it is. Yeah, um, it is. 
and another thing that we're you know the military and you know i'm a big shout out to royals because because you know i've, I've uh, obviously been a part of that for a long a, a good part of my life is the fact that we follow process regardless of what's going on up here we follow process and that gets stuff done and that's why we're so good that's why operations go so well especially when the you know things go wrong we have a process in place that is void of what's going on in between you in your head you know yeah. if you if you just allowed everyone just to do what they wanted what they were thinking when when um you know when things got really tough everyone would be all over the place but everyone knows that you've got to get from there to an emergency uh, rendezvous point and from there regroup and then get to the helicopter you know it's like you follow a process when think that's just an example but you follow a process that is void of mental sabotage. Yeah, and it's trust in the process as well. Trust in the process that you know that it's a good process and the right people have thought it through and decided this is what we're going to do. Um, so so before before we move on from there, um, I want to talk a, a little bit more about the military, but your transition between the Royal Marines and the Special Forces, and how do you think, like... This internet is really uh, starting to annoy me. Yeah, it's, it's starting to freeze a little bit. It's starting to freeze a little bit. I can still hear you every now and again. I don't know if you can still hear me. Okay, sorry about that. Internet went out a little bit there, but we're all good. Um, so I wanted to quickly chat about your transition between the Royal Marines and the Special Forces. And um, a lot of people, obviously the Special Forces has this huge stigma around it of like, nobody knows what's going on and stuff like that. And even in the Royal Marines, no one really knows much about the process. And I'm not going to dig because I know you can't really talk much about it. Um, but what made you think, you know what, I'm going to go special for, what, what made you think I'm going to go in that direction from the Royal Marines? Yeah, to be honest, I mean, when I went to the careers office before I joined the Royal Marines, there was, there was a, a Royal Navy chick there, Royal Navy lady there. Um, <laughs> and she, uh, there was a Royal Navy, uh, uh, yeah, lady there. And she was like, well, so what do you do when, if you do get into the Royal Marines, what do you want to do? And I'd, we'd all got the brochures, you know what I mean? It was like, I saw like a picture of a mini sub and like a combat frogman. I went, I want to do that. And she just looked at me and she laughed and she went, everyone wants to do that. Yeah. She, she closed the book. You know, and that for me, I mean, I've always dealt with doubt that way. You know, if someone doubts me, it gives me every more incentive to go and do it. Mm. Um, now what had happened that that seed had kind of got sown but I then joined the Royal Marines not not with the intention of going special forces I joined the Royal Marines and um, it just wasn't enough for me you know what I mean it was just it was almost like it wasn't you know everything I thought it my perception and reality are massively different yeah and the perception for me wasn't wasn't great and to be honest I can't because of that I lost a fair bit of interest um and then I was starting to be a bit of a rebel, um, starting to be, you know, I always am a bit, you know, non-conformist anyway. Um, and then I started to get, you know, um, I think it knocked my confidence a fair bit. I went to Northern Ireland, went to Iraq, and it knocked my confidence a fair bit because of, uh, because of a couple of incidents. And at that point, I came back from Iraq and I thought, I've, I've had enough of this, I'm, I'm leaving. Um, but by that time, I kind of left 4-5 Commando. I was down at Poole. Um, and um, that was it. I was like, general duties down there. I thought, no, I'm just going outside. I put my notices in to leave. And um, I was six months out from my 18 months notice. So six months ago. 
mm. uh, 23 years old. And um, I went to uh, I went to see my brother pass out. He was he passed out as a Royal Navy pilot. Oh, okay. And uh, went to his pass out at Dartmouth. And um, I was down there. I bumped into my uh, my troop commander from um, from from Iraq and and from Ireland from Four Five Commando. And he's like, "Hey, what are you doing?" I'm, I was like, "I said, well, mate, I said I'm leaving. I'm going outside." Yeah. And you know what? I actually thought my boss from Four Five just didn't value me whatsoever I, I you know and this was obviously what was going on in my head right uh, i i kind of thought you know I, I i didn't have much self-worth my confidence had been knocked um and um yeah i just said i'm leaving he said you know what he says he says i always thought you had something different i don't know what it is but i just feel that you could um you're the kind of person that would pass special forces selection yeah and I went, really? And he went, yeah. He says, I'll tell you what, if you don't give that a go, he said, you'll, you'll regret that for the rest of your life. Because he, he knew that, you know, I'd mentioned it at some point. Yeah. And if it wasn't for those words of someone that I respected and I thought actually had a negative view on me, to hear those words from him was like so impactful. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it was that it was that one thing, you know, after that, I went back to camp on the Monday and I was actually on uh, I was on guard duties on uh, Pool Camp, you know, where the SBS are based. Yeah. And I went in to see my troop stripey, and I said, I said, uh, I want to put in uh, my chit. He said, What for? He says, You're leaving soon. He said, Well, I said, I want to take my chit out for for leaving, and I want to put in for selection. And honestly, he sat there and he just laughed for about five minutes. <laughs> he laughed at me and laughed at me and laughed at me. Uh, which again for me was like the power to go right. I'm going to show you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I never saw him again. There you go. Um, and he's like that, you know. I'll I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Uh, well, it was more than that. I'll see you in a, in a couple of months. And from that moment, I was like, bang on to my training, bang on to you know. I was like, I didn't have long to prepare for selection, and then uh, j jumped on selection. I still had that doubt, lack of confidence. It was only those words that echoed in my head from my officer saying you know you have what it takes and um you know with that again the goal was massive you know having seeing myself in the sbs you know as a 23 year old i look back now i was i was just i was a scrawny little kid yeah. and to see myself as an sbs operator that to me still didn't make any it still didn't compute um you know, I fought with that. But what I did know is that if I broke that down to bite-sized chunks, that I had a much better chance of, of you know, negotiating each part of that. So the first the first sort of day on, um, you know, the first test was at the Penny Van, which is a very, um, you know, it's like 24Ks in four hours with packing weapon. You know, it's, it's extremely tough. And all these people I looked around, you know, in the morning when I got there, I was like, oh, God, you have got off the wrong bus. You need to go home. And uh, I looked around me and I was like looking at all these super soldiers. They were a lot bigger than me, a lot older, more experienced. They had all the gear. They had tattoos. They, you know, and I was like, wow, they look like proper like special forces already. Mm. And uh, these were the people I was flying past, you know, on the penny fan. I was like, wow. And, you know, some people stopping and giving up. And these are the people I was looking at. And it was, you know, that for me built my confidence so much. It was like, wow. And every step was like a, an increase in my confidence. Yeah. Once I'd done the penny fan and I was in the top five, um, 
on that day, you know, I was like, wow, you know, I was like, maybe I've got something here. And, you know, each milestone just gave me that more confidence. So that's, that's incredible. You know, initially, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't the fact, you know, I did, I did. One thing I've always done, Luke, and that is I fell in love with the end result of, uh, you know, I've, I've dreamed about, you know, I've visualized about being at the end, um, you know, and I've visualized about how it will affect my life, the people around me. You know, I've, I really, and that's the creative side of me, I suppose. You know, it's like really getting lost in that detail mm-hmm. of, of, of the visualization of where I want to be. So, um, you know, it was, it was that dream. But when times get really tough, you you have to really break it down into sort of one meter square. Um, you know, you have to break it down to one meter square and just really focus on your immediate environment and just keep on moving. Yeah. Well, that's an incredible story. I think it, it, it goes into the whole um, self-doubting and you more than you think that you are, you know? I think that's that's um, a huge part of, of your books, I know. Like, you are more than you think yeah. you are. And um, obviously, yeah. you've got that straight from that experience. And I think I've been through the same thing as well, where you, you self-doubt all the time. That's another thing that's kind of just hardwired into is is always thinking that you can't do something and... and I remember going to CTC, the Commando Training Center, and looking again. I was 16. I was tiny. And I remember seeing these lads around me who were massive lads, like huge. They could do like 15 pull-ups in one go and all this amazing stuff. But then when it came to yomping, when it came to like the speed marches, I just put my head down and you just you just crack on. And you, whatever it is, whatever it is, it's just, it's a case of just, again, going full back circle to what we were saying before. It's just not thinking about something too much and just kind of going with it and just being like, I'm just going to get it done. I'm just going to get it done. Yeah. You know, there's a reason we're doing this. There's a reason why this is implemented in our training, why it's a test. And if I can do this, which they think I can because I'm at this point in training, then I can, I believe in it and I can do it. And a lot of people throughout training as well have self-doubt. And when you get to a test, like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. And it happened to me on a few occasions. But for the most part, that test is there because the training team and the people who 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 make the whole 32 weeks and put it together have a reason for it to be there and know that if you are at that point in that week, week, whatever, yeah. 23, you can do that test. And that's why we implement it. And I think... Yeah. Um, that example of not thinking that you can do something and end up being in the top five and getting in special forces is the best example that possibly can be yeah. when it comes yeah. to that. Amazing. No, absolutely. But so it's about, yeah, it's just about, it's, it's about having a vision and then, you know, belief is a massive thing, isn't it? You know, having, you have to have belief, you know, and if, um, you know, if the big picture looks too uh, overwhelming you've got to break it down yeah yeah and do you think that um do you see a lot of that when you were going outside and you was doing um, contract work and stuff like that because i'm sure when you're doing contract work you're not just with former special forces former royal marines but you probably got a few paras in there you probably got a few navy lads in there uh, i know a few lads from from the navy who went and did that as well especially the uh, maritime security um do you see that kind of um stem in different ways from different branches or do you specifically see that same thing just across the board with military lads in general no i mean talking about working with people i mean initially when we moved into sort of um you know the early days of of iraq as a contractor i mean it was you know i, I had the the beauty of um of working with ex sbs lads and ex royal marines and there was a, a, another lad that was a para um 
but then honestly i mean the, it was one of the reasons that i ended up leaving really but uh you know because of the way the contracts were going there's so much money to be made there was there was people out there like bouncers who'd never been in the military but bouncers from from the clubs in london and yeah. you know with ak-47 tottering down the street so but yeah i mean I, I think in general you know that's that's pretty much across all services you know it's 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 just the way we wired, you know. I still see I, my company at the moment is great because I actually work with all this. About we've got um, pretty much all bootnecks in there, all Royal Marines, former Royal, Royal Marines, and one one of the lads is is one of the guys I, I, I joined up with. You know, I met him on the train on the way to CTC. Um, but even some of them, they're still wired that way, and I have to try and get it out of them. You know what I mean? About you know the self doubt and the negative messaging that's going on in their head. You know, and I. People don't. People think it's just words, but when you're telling yourself you're no good, when you're, um, you're telling yourself it would happen to me, when you're telling yourself, "Oh, I have the worst luck," they are really strong mental messages that really do start to dictate your destiny. Yeah. And people don't understand the power of what they're doing, you know. And and that is, you know, they they've got to learn, you know, the messaging is you if you. You know what? If you can't believe in yourself, you're never going to achieve anything. If you can't, you know, it's yeah. I mean, I can I can go into depth on this one. I mean, when when I actually I'm jumping ahead here, but when I actually came out of you know ten years later, I actually had to write a contract to myself on a piece of paper that stated my name. It was an official contract, and it stated exactly what I wanted to do by a certain date um and exactly what you know what i wanted to achieve it was like a, a really extensive like goal setting contract and mm -hmm. i read it out every morning and every night and i saw i used to read it every morning and every night and then i went right read it in the mirror yeah because i was that first in it i kind of knew it off heart anyway i said read it in the mirror and the first time i read it in the mirror i looked at myself and i went what a dick you are what an idiot right you know what I mean? uh, and you you think you've got this a thousand person audience critiquing you right which is obviously not there and i said to myself hold on a second you know i thought i'm not doing that again i thought hold on a second if you can't tell yourself what you want to achieve how do you expect to ever achieve it mm. and it wasn't until i just kept on pushing through that short discomfort again the short-term discomfort because i knew the goal was the long-term gain and if I hadn't pushed through that, I, I, I would have that self doubt would have would have not have given me the the motivation to keep on going. Yeah, and, and really pursue my business. I know it. I know it. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that. That's incredible. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. And so um, pulling that back to like the very start of joining the military, that yeah, that idea of promising yourself something, setting a goal and promising yourself, I'm going to do this. That applies to to young, because I get I get a lot of young viewers watching these videos, messaging me on Instagram. Hey, I'm thirteen, fourteen. I want to be a Royal Marine. What do I do? If you're watching this and you're that age, this also applies to you. Like mm. this, this is something that is across the board. And I know when I was a kid, I my I had one goal, and it was just get a green beret. But if if I broke it down step by step, I, I probably would have gone into trading way fitter way more determined way more resilient and just in a better place in general you know 100 100 percent, mate i tell you what when people i used to say that to, to people like young people that oh, i want to join the royal marines what, what should i do and i'm always like oh yeah get get fit and you know get 
a pack on your back and get into the hills, get your boots on, which I don't, you know, I, I still agree you have to do, but it's my priority of what I recommend people to do now. I mean, for me, if you want to join the Royal Marines, you should be, that, that shouldn't be, I shouldn't have to tell people to do that. Mm. But for me, you know what I say now is, first of all, get used to being cold, start taking cold showers, because mm-hmm. when you can operate in the cold, you can, you know, it, it changes everything. You know, if you can't operate in the cold, you're going to have problems. Yep. And, and for me, up until I joined the Royal Marines, I was, I'd had hot showers all my life, as, as you would. Yep. You know what I mean? But now looking back, you know, to learning to actually operate in the cold and not allow that to incapacitate you is one thing. But actually learning that mental strength and robustness and belief in yourself, God, I would, I, I didn't, I wasn't prepared. You know, everyone thinks I'm going to grizz it. I'm, I'm an, I'm an absolute legend down at the gym. I'm going to smash this. And then you realize when you get into the Royal Marines, you think, God, what all that training I did before got it was so pointless. There's so, yep. you know, you, there's so much you can do more on a, your mental robustness than there is, you know, time spent doing that is seldom wasted. Yeah. And you see a lot of these, what we call in, in the core, fizz ninjas do yeah. so well at the start of training. But then when the mental side starts to kick in, they drop like flies. Yeah. They drop yeah. like crazy. And it, it's, it's a case of, really learning how to train that like a muscle and then doing it early on doing it early on enough the same like if you're doing your first press up today your first press up that is the the start of this little program that you've set to yourself you should also be doing your first like your first contract with yourself and being like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna have a cold shower i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that this is gonna improve you know my my resilience this is gonna improve my pull-ups and it should be added in with the rest of that training and, and shouldn't be overlooked by any means, especially if, if you're watching this and you're serious, like you're genuinely yeah. serious, it should not be overlooked at all. No, and i tell you what as well on that. I mean, I've just come back from filming SAS Who Days Wins in Australia. Um, and and uh, a lot of people will know me because I like doing the stunts. I, I much prefer doing the stunts than I do all the gobbing off and I, I just believe actions speak louder than words but anyway yeah. that's another story but um you know a lot of sort of the you know the, the stuff under the ice and and things like that you know i prepare for that before i even do it like this one was um you know an ice dip so we had to break the ice and we got them to go under the i did the demo mm. um but for weeks before that in the hotel isolation every day i was getting in a freezing cold shower and the reason i didn't want i didn't want to get in that freezing cold shower but as soon as my mind started saying no have a nice hot one it'd be a lot more comfortable i just thought you are you know my vision was about the goal you know about the goal and the it was i, I knew but that by doing that process following that process i would make it easier for myself on the day and that's yeah. the one thing that got me into the cold shower and switched it on every day and you know and that's why anything you have every anything you do has to has to be linked to a goal you know, it's, it's the goal that pulls you through it. I always say to people, if you don't have a goal, you get lost in the journey. You got, you, you get lost on the journey and you become um, a victim of your circumstances because you've got nothing bigger pulling you through. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's why, you know, when, the, when, when, let me give you an example. Like I, I always use the cold because the cold is, is it absolutely changes people. I find it quite funny now. But, um, you know, if I was stood, well, I'm probably not, you're the, you're the worst person to actually uh, ask this question to, Lou. But, um, <laughs> but you know, the, the normal person, you go down by a, a freezing cold lake and you, you know, it's a nice, 
it's the middle of winter. The ice is just about to form. When I, we, me, me and you are in our warm coats, and I just say to you, go on, jump in there, mate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I, I would. I would, knowing me, because I'm daft. But luckily, again, that's from the Royal Marines, so you know that. <laughs> yeah. Generally, people will say no. No. Yeah. Yeah. If I said that to <laughs> my wife, she'd be like, no. Yeah. <laughs> right now let's imagine that same scenario where i've got your loved ones or loved one the person you love the most in this world and i throw them in the middle of that lake and they're drowning yeah do you think do you give a shit about how cold it is no you wouldn't would you you wouldn't no but the thing is because your goal overwhelms your circumstances your goal is to save that person right so it overwhelms that circumstance of being cold you know so it's always so important you know and and to push in and again for young viewers or young listeners you know, it's so important to have a goal. You even doesn't matter how old you are, we should be goal driven on a specific, you know, on a chosen goal. Now, the reason I say a chosen goal is because everyone thinks there's some people that have goals and some people that don't have goals. Let me tell you now, every person in this world, whether they like it or not, has a goal. Your subconscious mind is a is a goal a, a goal striving goal-getting machine that will stop at nothing until it gets what your dominant thoughts focus on mm-hmm. so if your mind is all about you know you, your your mental language the, the the voices that are going on internally are all negative it's not hocus pocus you will be driven towards the messaging that's going on in your head Seventy thousand thoughts go around our head a day on average Seventy thousand. Now, a lot of those, just because of the way we're wired, again, are negative messaging. Now, if we don't have a chosen goal, we're going to end up with something that we don't like. Yeah. So that's why I say, regardless of whether, if you, is, there's two people in life, there's people that choose a goal and there's people that don't choose a goal. People that don't choose a goal end up getting, getting a life that they, they, that pretty much makes them feel unfulfilled and depressed. Yeah. 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 Amen to that. I totally agree with that. Totally agree with it. Um, with, when it comes to to this mindset of goal setting and, and achieving the small goals, especially prior to knowing that you're going to do something, um, when it comes to SES Who Dares Wins, do you get a lot of, um, whether it be the celebrity one or the non-celebrity one, do you get a lot of people who do set goals and then you notice them by a long shot, or do you get, or is it mostly people who just go in with no idea what they're going to do and they just kind of go bye bye and just you know go with the flow yeah i think i think to be honest i mean no i think a lot of them go in there with with a goal um to to be there at the end but they go in there with the wrong um you know there's one thing having the goal but you must also know the path to get to the goal Mm -hmm. you know what i mean you must and the thing is the people that come on that they think they all come as individuals because they've not really been in the military before they don't understand that lone survivors don't work you know what mm. i mean it's, it's people that stand there and want to be the alpha male or whatever and they want to be don't want you know they don't care about anyone else i'm going to thrash everyone else they get there and they're in such a total shock and they realize that the more they um individualize themselves while they're on the course the less chance they've got of you know they just fail so they, they, they come there thinking, well, how am I supposed to win? You know, there's a load of confusion. How am I supposed to win if I'm meant to help this other guy? Yeah. Surely I'm not meant to help other people and I'm supposed to look like, you know, and, and I think that's a bit, that is a bit of a shock for them. They come along thinking, 
you know, because they expect by doing well on SAS, and it's the same as like going for SAS selection for real, you think that by being at the front, that's the way to, to pass, and it's not. Mm. You know, there's a, there's a lot of people, uh, and certainly on that course, you know, it's not about the person that's at the front. It's not about the person that's the strongest. It's all, it's it's the person that's given 100, 110% in every aspect. And that's teamwork. That is that is on, on your effort. That is, you know, that comes to helping others, everything. You've got to be selfless. You've got to be empathetic to everyone else. You know, it's, it's a lot more complex than people think. You know, being at the front, there's a lot of people on SAS selection for real that um, they're, they're at the front of the pack all the way through and they keep on pushing. First of all, they make themselves noticed. Um, and secondly, you know, they find at the end that they're just not a team player. Yeah. You get told a lot to be the grey man. Be the grey man, but not don't go too far into the distance. But yeah. just always be like behind the people that are always like, you know, shining so that you can take note and also just kind of and 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 keep an eye with the direction that they're going and also learn from their mistakes because usually the people at the front make mistakes a lot, you know? Um, the thing is, the people in the pack make mistakes as well. But because there's a bigger group of them, you don't see the mistakes. Exactly. Exactly. But you see, when, when you've got someone that's highlighting themselves at the front or the back, you see every move they make. And when they make a mistake, it's highlighted straight away. Yeah. But the clever people are exactly like you just said, Luke. They sit in the pack, they observe, they follow the lead, and they don't make themselves highlight. You know, when we're doing SAS selection, uh, you know, when we're doing SAS selection and for the show as well, very quickly you start to, because initially you are really transfixed by these people that want to stand out, they want to be at the front, this, that, and the other. And then you have to switch fire and start looking for those people in the pack. Mm. Start looking for the dark horse in the pack because, yeah. because they're the ones that come through at the end. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I totally with you with that. You see it in all aspects, probably special force, like you said, but you see it all the way down to Royal Marines training as well. The first yeah. few weeks of training in foundation, you see them lads who are really pushing themselves, being at the front. You see the people who are dropping off at the back. And if you're somewhere sweet in like the, I know the the second third, like that's the sweet yeah. spot, you know, uh, where you're not far enough down for them to be in the bottom half, but you're not at the very top. That's like the sweet spot to be. Um, with that being said, have you seen anyone in these TV shows, the SS Who Dares Wins, and the Celebrity, and even the Australian one? Have you seen anyone who you think could pass either Royal Marines training or Special Forces training? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's really hard to say, though, isn't it, mate? I mean, they have the attributes. That's always what we say. They have that, and, and that's both for the Royal Marines and for the uh, um, uh, for the for the Special Forces in general. Because you and I know how hunger, um, fatigue, sleep deprivation—that cocktail creates a different beast of person. And especially when it's over an extended period of time, you can't, you know, people knowing that the end is 10 days or whatever, you can't really get, um, get the gist of, of really how you get an idea that they've probably got potential. Um, but you could not say that person would pass because you and I know, you know, you, it goes, it goes in, in stages. You can get someone that's really strong for the first six weeks mm. and then they die. You know, and then, you know, then some people then start to get stronger as the course goes on. Yeah. 
you know, and it's, 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 it's really hard to define that, you know, you can't, um, it's like when you see them on the, on the, on the, um, on the TV show, you know, you, you see the ones that look extremely fit and you instantly make an assumption that, oh, they'll, they'll probably pass, but then you go, no, it doesn't work like that because they've got to go through much, so much mental pressure. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you what a big thing is when you join um, on the special forces, and we try to do this on, we do this quite well on the show actually, is um, we as humans, again, from an early age, we get addicted to uh, external validation for everything we do. You know, and that that probably starts when you're a kid, when you bring home a picture, you know, it's straight on the fridge at home. Your mum shows it to everyone. Look how clever Luke is. You know, he's brilliant, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. And then you, we all, all of us are victim of it. We then grow up all the way through life and everything we do, we want a pat on the back. Yeah. Everything yeah. we do, we want that pat on the back to say you've done well. And, um, you know, the way we dress, the way we perform at work, the way we perform in the gym, everything on instagram you the likes you're feeding from the likes you know you need to have those likes you're absolutely um addicted to the external uh, gratification yeah now when you go on special forces selection for the first time in your life that gets taken away you know what i mean there's nothing you're front of the pack or whatever you've done really well and you're looking around for that person going where's my pat on the back mm. and what happens then especially on selection and, and you can probably relate to this as well is the fact that your mind starts telling you you're probably not as good as you think you are. Yeah. You know, and then then it's then it's that seed of doubt that starts eating away. And that's what's that's what fails people. Yeah. You know, and that's 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 one of the biggest things to to uh get your head around. Yeah. Um, you know, it's no one's gonna be there. And and it's that relates to being in a war. You know, you don't go and do it, you don't go and you know, do an attack and then you know, someone comes up at the end and says, oh, you did really well. That was a, that was a lovely attack. You did absolutely amazing. You know, there's no one there to tap you on the back. You And sometimes you just got to keep on going, going and going. And you don't get to say when it stops or when it finishes. You can't just say, right, I'm tired now. Yeah. You know, so that, yeah. there is a reason they do that. The reason is because, you know, you don't get to decide when it finishes. You have to keep moving forward and that there's no one there to pat you on the back. Yeah. And I think another thing is that, when it comes to actually being on, you know, out on the ground and stuff like that, is you, you're expected to do these things. So when you do mm. something exceptional, you're expected to do it. Like there's yeah. no, there's no well done. That was amazing. It's like, yeah, you've done your job. You've yeah, done your job. Exactly. You know, good job. Yeah. Um, it's been around 45 minutes, so we'll we'll, we'll slow it down there. But before we go, yeah. I wanna I wanna pick your brain on everything you've got coming up. So, uh, book, TV show, and anything in between. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I've, I've got a few things in the pipeline. I mean, I, when I was when I was actually I left the um, you know I left the service. I went out to Iraq as a contractor. I then went over to Southeast Asia, where I got involved with uh, rescuing kids from child prostitution and slavery, um, which was wow. the most humbling thing I'd ever done in my life. Um, and really, you know, I'm quite open and say this in my books that you know when I was in the special force, when I was in the Royal Marines. Um, I was searching for more and that's why I went for special forces. I got into the special forces. I didn't find it there. There was just something that didn't, you know, it didn't satisfy. There was something, it was something was missing. And now looking back, you know, hindsight is a great thing, but it didn't win, win any wars. Um, now looking back, it's, you know, it's clear to me that I hadn't found my actual purpose. Mm. And when I went over to Thailand, I, I stumbled over something that was absolutely amazing. And that was, helping people less fortunate than you for no 
you know, they were, I, I self-funded the whole operation to, to rescue those kids. But, you know, it was the most amazing thing. And I think, you know, a lot of us out, you know, a lot of us in this world are losing the power and the ability to see the wealth in helping others. Yeah. You know, we're all fighting for the most Instagram followers. We're all fighting for, you know, even at work in the same team, people are competing against each other. Um, so anyway, that's a cut a long story short. I, uh, that work actually ended abruptly and I thought that was going to be me for the rest of my life. Actually, Luke, I thought, you know, I'd be rescuing kids for the rest of my life and it ended abruptly and it, it was horrible how it ended. But I always said back then that it was, it's You know, it, it, my work there isn't finished. So I have started that up again. Um, it's very in the very early stages. But, you know, I want to be out there rescuing kids that are being sold into, uh, you know, that being trafficked. Um, and this stuff is going on, um, you know, on our home shores, you know, it's yeah. going on everywhere. So, you know, I really want to be a part of that and, uh, and changing the destiny of these poor kids' lives. So that's one thing. My books, my new fiction is, is part of a um, three book series. So um, there will be, you know, more work straight after this one. Um, I've got. Uh, uh, with Foxy Me, we've got we're just relaunching our app, which is the Battle Ready 360 app, which is mind, body, and fuel, okay. uh, meaning nutrition. And we've got a very exciting piece of equipment that is due to launch in about three weeks, which is um, um, home fitness kit that comes in what's known as a battle box. Okay. Um, and, and you'll relate to this, mate. You know, you know, in, in back in the day in this in the, in the military where you get an old ammo liner. Chucking a skipping rope, chucking some <laughs> resistance bands, you know. Yeah. So you always had fitness with you wherever you went. Well, it's a simulation. Yeah. I thought that might have one around here anyway. It's a simulation. It's it's like a recreation of that, you know. And okay. It's a, a box, and it's got all your resistance bands, ab roller, skipping rope, and um, and that then follows along with me and Foxy on the app. Uh, we're also going to be running very similar to Peloton, running live workouts from our studio. Um, and hopefully, hopefully before long, we'll uh, we'll have global athletes that will be running those workouts all over the world. So you'll be Amazing. able to log on through your phone, log on to any you know, choose your athlete, and then be able to log on, which is which is amazing. So we've got that. Um, we've got a clothing brand that's coming out next year. Me, myself and Foxy. You're busy, mate. You're busy. I didn't expect all this. <laughs> I know, I know, mate. I know. So uh, this is why I keep getting told off. <laughs> um, clothing brand next year um and that uh and then i've got breakpoint which is our company so corporate training and um, we've just started something which is very um yeah again very humbling and that is uh we've got a veteran transition transition program so basically we recruit veterans in we put them through a two-day mindset course um and then we've got we pass them on to our partners at orion rail um, who have then give them all their tickets to actually do contracts for jobs with uh, with uh, Network Rail. So, wow. so we're taking the lads from the front line and put them on the front line here as key workers. So, wow, more, more of that. So that's a really amazing project. A lot of really inspirational stuff. And uh, going back to the whole, um, you know, the contract work going out and 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 finding these children that have been taken away as a father. Um, mm of someone recently, you know, two-year-old kid just about turned two and about to have another one. Um, it, it, it is something that really hits home when you hear them stories. And it, it's really just like, 
gut-wrenching so thank you for doing that that is truly amazing and you are truly an inspiration um amazing stuff you've got so much stuff coming out mate it's amazing everyone um who's watching this i will leave links down below to your yeah. books i will leave links down below to all your information um so you know exactly where it is if you're watching this on youtube it's all going to be down below and i'll put it in the show notes for the podcast thank you ollie it's, it's i'd love to have you on again <laughs> mate we will do because we've only scratched the surface yeah we really have it's been an absolute pleasure um so thank you yeah thank you for everyone watching i really appreciate you and uh i will see you in the next video take it easy everyone goodbye